0: Good morning. Um, My name is Derek, and I just want to welcome you to Grace. If this is your first time here, I want to say a special welcome to you. Hope that you uh, feel right at home here. If you could do me a favor, you got that um, blue bulletin when you walked in. Just go ahead and take that, open it up, put your eyes on that for a second. There's uh, there's just a a bunch of different ways to connect with God and with other people here at Grace. And um, I actually want to... Just point out something as the weather's starting to get a little cooler, uh, winter's going to be here not to be too depressing, but winter's going to be here before too long and there, there's that connect card it 's that little perforated card down at the bottom um, there's something on there called the weekend update and let me tell you why that's a great little thing that you can have it 's just one email a week it goes out usually Thursday or Friday, and it just kind of gives you a little deal of like what 's coming up at grace uh, over the weekend. but we use that I mean we update our website and other things but we use that if like we have a snow situation and, you know, there's some sort of a change with the services, service times, whatever. If we're doing some sort of food drive or something and we just send you a little reminder, hey, don't forget. It's kind of a neat little thing. Uh, it's only ever once a week and um, there's, we don't ever put attachments in there or anything, so it won't clog up your inbox. And I just I just highly recommend that you uh, take a second, write your email down, just check that little weekend update um, little box and um, it's just a, it's a nice thing to help make sure you're you get all your reminders that you need uh, for what's going on at Grace. All right. Um, so, very sad to say that um, Pastor John just wasn't feeling up to giving the sermon today. Um, yeah, so, um, the Cowboys have such a following. It's amazing. Um, anyway, after the Monday night game, the debacle um, you know, John just wasn't feeling up for it, so he asked me if I would mind giving the sermon this Sunday. He is, uh, he's in mourning right now, and uh, he's actually teaching a little uh, children's dedication class right now. But um, anyway, it was, just, it was just terrible. He was very, very upset. He actually said that we should cancel church services, you know. And um, we kind of reminded him that, you know, whenever there's a, an attack of evil, that the church should come together and pray. And so um, we kind of talked him out of that. But uh, anyway, you know, he was doing all this stuff with uh, the, the Eagles shirt and the Cowboys uh, hat last week for those of you guys who were there. And uh, so we had uh, a Cowboys fan who just dropped this off a couple minutes ago kind of as a little peace offering, a little condolence for the, for the loss. So he got, uh, got John a little his own personalized little stadium chair. You guys like that? There you go. So the interesting thing will be now, it's a gift from a Cowboys fan. Will he actually choose to use it and sit in it? I don't know. And for those of you who are, you know, loving those bleachers right now, we, we actually are in the process. We've had a few people who've offered to, uh, to donate some of those little stadium chair things, just kind of like what I just held up. So we're, we're working on getting some of those ordered um, to try and make everybody feel a little bit more comfortable. So um, anyway, I just know that that is coming up. And uh, give John your condolences when you see him on those redskins. Anyway. Um, so we are in part three of this series that we have called Modern Family, and I'm very disappointed that we haven't been able to find a clip that is not offensive yet. Um, that's a, that show is, man, it's, it's pretty funny, but it's, uh, it's hard to find a, an appropriate clip. Anyway, so we have been, I know a lot of you guys have been wanting to see a clip. We've been trying, but it's been hard. So there will be no Modern Family clips today, but we are in that series. And basically what we're doing is we're looking through the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, and uh, we're looking at these five values that we can live out, these five family values that if we live out, they are values that will lead us to a strong faith and a blessed life. So um, two weeks ago, we kicked it off, and uh, John talked about the first value, imagine the end. And uh, we looked at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 5 and the beginning of Deuteronomy 6, and Deuteronomy 6.3, great example of this, but over and over, um, basically, there's this, there's this deal that if we will spend time um, focusing on God and following his commands and staying in his word, that it will go well with us. And, um, and so the key question, if you remember from two weeks ago, that John wanted us to be asking is no matter what we're facing in life, no matter what's happening, what's going on in our lives, we're supposed to ask the question, what does the Bible say about that? And be constantly consulting God's word first. Uh, whatever the situation is that we're dealing with. Then last week, uh, the value was widen your circle. And uh, we just talked about how, and we're not supposed to do this thing alone. Ecclesiastes four nine says that two are better than one. And so if you missed either of those two messages, you can go online, podcast, download, whatever, they're on our website at trygrace.org. Today, we're gonna be talking about the third value, which is create a rhythm. Will you pray with me? God, um, we're here this morning to meet with you, to worship you, and um, Lord, to hear from you. Lord, um, speak to us this morning through your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, let me just give you a little background, a little context of where we are. In the book of Deuteronomy, which is in the Old Testament, We're in chapter 6, and what's happening at this point in chapter 6, you can fill in these little blanks if you want to kind of help you to set the stage for what Moses is about to say. But the Israelites, who are the Jewish people, have just been freed from slavery. They've been given the Ten Commandments, and they're now listening to Moses' farewell speech. So they are wandering around in the wilderness, and uh, they are trying to enter the promised land, And um, Moses isn't going to be with them when they enter through the promised land. So he's passing along his great words of wisdom and um, all the things that that God has passed along to him. And so we're going to pick it up today in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Moses says these words to the Jewish people. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You may be like, what's he saying? The Lord is one? Like, what does that mean? Well, basically, that's just, you know, in a a nutshell, he's saying that the Lord alone is our God. That's really what Moses is saying. The Lord alone is our God. And then he continues, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today, referring to the 10 commandments, these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then in verse seven, which is where we're really gonna kind of start this morning, is he says, Impress them on your children. Now, that word impress, in the original Hebrew text, is the word shenan. Can you say that with me? Shannon. Okay? Now, that word "shanan" is a powerful, powerful word. Okay? And the way that it's used in the Old Testament scriptures is it's used when talking about sharpening a weapon. Okay? It's used when talking about piercing something. And it's also used, and it's used here, when it refers to teaching in such a powerful way that it would profoundly shape and impact somebody. So it's this powerful teaching that would like pierce, you know, that would really cut to the heart of the matter. And so the word in the NIV is impress. Impress these commandments on your children. So, okay, so we've got this powerful word. Okay, so impress this stuff on your children. And then, but how do you do it? Well, the rest of verse 7 says this. Talk about them when you sit at home. Talk about them when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So we've got this extraordinary word, shanan, impress this stuff on your children. And then it comes back and gives this very ordinary way to do that. It's just kind of, you know, in the day-to-day, ordinary kind of patterns of your life, you know, when you're walking, you're talking, when you're at home, before you go to bed, when you get up, that's the time when you're supposed to talk about this stuff. That's how you impress this upon your children. It's, it's doing it within the, the natural, ordinary rhythm of your life. Now, speaking of rhythm, um, I want to show you guys a, uh, a video clip. And um, this is rare footage this is uh it's a video from my wedding day, um, and it's actually a video from my uh, first dance with my wife on our wedding night and um, it's pretty ama- it 's a pretty amazing visual of rhythm okay it's it's pretty awesome uh, so we put this little clip together. I just want to give you a couple disclaimers. Um, the first one is you know sometimes you go through phases and you just kind of explore things and you know, you're kind of trying new, 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 different things. You're reaching out a little bit, you know, trying to discover yourself a little bit. Well, I was going through a line on Richie Face, okay? That guy's a brilliant singer, okay? So please don't laugh. Um, anyway, I was going through a line on Richie Face, so you got to know that. Be ready. There's a song in there. Um, and then the other thing is like, you know, we didn't want to do just kind of like the really slow wedding dance, you know, or you just kind of dance really slow. We wanted to do something a little bit more lively. So, um, you've been warned. Can we roll? Can we hit those lights and uh, roll the video, please? Now, check out the rhythm. You gotta check out the rhythm. It's beautiful. person in that video had rhythm. <laughs> My wife's actually a great dancer. Um, one person didn't have rhythm. And uh, here's, here's the, the takeaway that I want you guys to get. To be a good dancer, you've got to have rhythm. I mean, and you kind of either have it or you don't. You know what I'm saying? But to be a really good dancer, you have to have rhythm. Now, To have a strong faith, to have a strong relationship with God, you have to have a good spiritual rhythm. You have to have a good spiritual rhythm. And so I got a couple of um, action points for you today to think about. And the first one, if you want to fill it in, is create a spiritual rhythm. If you want to have a strong faith, strong relationship with God. You have to create a spiritual rhythm. And by that, what I mean by a spiritual rhythm is putting time with God into the natural rhythm of your life. Putting time with God into the natural rhythm of your life. See, the point of Deuteronomy 6, 7, what Moses is saying, you know, when he's saying, you know, do these things, you know, when you're, when you're at home, when you're, when you're walking along the road, when you're, uh, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, is just, you know, within the normal everyday stuff, the mundane stuff, but just the natural rhythm of your life, that's where you have to find time to spend with God. And so um, you might be saying, well, what does that look like? Could you give some examples of what that means, Okay. I would love to do that for you. So um, how many of you here, raise your hand if you just are passionate about food. You love food. Food is a great experience for you. You enjoy it. You look forward to it. You think about what you're going to have for lunch today. Your mouth is starting to water right now. Man, people got a lot happier. A lot of people smiling now. That's beautiful. Maybe we'll just spend the rest of the time talking about food instead um, instead of the sermon. But here's the thing. Okay, whether you're passionate about food or whether you know, or maybe you're not. Okay, food is just one of those things you just have to do to keep yourself moving. But it's a it's a natural, God-given thing. It's a rhythm in your life, right? You have to stop at some point, even on the craziest of days, and you have to stop and eat. That's some that's a rhythm that always has to happen. Now, you may have grown up in a house where um, you said grace before the meal. And maybe that was just kind of one of those things that you always did, and there was this rote thing that was done, and it never really had value or meaning to you because it was just kind of one of those things that we just say grace, and dad said grace, or grandpa said grace, or whoever said grace, and that's just how it was. But the reality is, you just want to think about this for a minute. It, you have this time where probably three times during your day, you get just to sit down and just stop whatever you're doing, and you have to eat. And just to pause for a second, not with some you know, ritualized prayer or anything like that, but just pausing for a minute, even as you're eating, okay, like me, I, I often, like, I'm so excited about the food. I love food, you guys. I love food. I'm like, I'm eating, and then I realize, like, halfway through, I'm like, oh, I should thank God or something. So I just believe that it, it enables me even more to thank God because I'm already tasting how good it is versus before when I hadn't even tasted it yet. So I'm like, it's even more spiritual for me when I do it before. I don't think God really cares if we say before or during. I mean, that's just me. I may be a heretic now. But anyway, um, so the, the deal with grace, is it's, it's this beautiful thing. Because no matter how crazy your life is, no matter how busy you are, you think, I don't have time to pray, I don't have time for God, it can literally just be a moment where you're just like, oh God, this is so delicious, thank you. That's all it is. Like, that's all it has to be necessarily. And what you've just done is you've been reminded of God's incredible provision in your life, God's goodness. Right there, Boom. And it happens. It's a naturally occurring thing. That's, a, that's some sort of a spiritual rhythm that you can create, and it requires almost no effort on your part. But it just, it just creates a reminder, oh, yeah, God is with me. God, God has done this for me, okay? So let me, let me give you another one. How about traveling? How about traveling? You guys uh, know what this past week the Washington Post reported uh, Washington, D.C. just became number one at? Anybody pick that up, pick up that story? Yes, traffic. We have officially now become number one. We were like number two or number three. It was like Chicago, LA, DC. But with the recession, you see, DC is kind of recession proof. See, those other cities, like a lot of people, you know, lost their jobs and aren't working, and so not as many people traveling. So we have now leapfrogged to number one. That's, let's get proud, baby. That's, woo, come on. Let's celebrate it, because it's terrible. Um, But anyway, so a number of you guys know that it is a fairly miserable experience to have to drive in this city, uh, especially in rush hour. But that is another one of those rhythms that is a naturally occurring thing. For many of us, we have to get in a car and we have to go somewhere. And, um, you know, as much as you might like, um, you know, swearing at other drivers and trying to cut people and all all the normal things that, you know, we do trying to get to work, um, you know, there's there's some pretty good Christian radio stations out there that, you know, they play worship music. And they have like sermons and stuff that are going on like right during your commute time. And so I've actually listed them on the bottom of that outline for you in case maybe you had no idea or you were unaware. But it's a way that you can just, hey, you know what? God, you're with me. I kind of forget that sometimes, but help me. And, you know, you can pray for your enemies, too, while you're driving or whatever you want to do. Ask for God's help with whatever you need. But it's an, that's another rhythm thing that you can do. Or maybe you take public transportation. Um, you know, and you don't even have to like carry a big Bible and like pull it out on the metro. And you're trying to stand up, and you're trying to—I mean, like, I get that. That's that's hard to do. But you know, if, if you have a smartphone of any sort, like you can. There's a, there's there's Bible apps out there. There's one called U Version. It's totally free. It's pretty cool. Anybody got the U Version app on your phone? It's pretty neat, right? It's pretty good stuff. They have all sorts of cool things. They have reading plans and like uh, people who write comments about certain passages. And it's just—I mean, there's tons of stuff like that out there. But Think of here. Here's the thing. Think about what what am I naturally doing anyway? What, what's just the normal rhythm? What are the patterns of my life? And how can I just fit a little time with God in there? How many people are um, night people like night is your time? Like you're just man, like that's when when things click for you and like you do your best thinking and your best work and like all that. OK, so we got a number of people like you're just night people. OK, that's when you come alive. Okay, if nighttime is your time, what I encourage you to do is maybe just take a few minutes of that time where, you know, where you're focused and when you're thinking clearly and and maybe use that time to say, you know, I'm going to spend a couple minutes just talking to God. Or I'm going to spend a couple minutes, I'm going to pull out my Bible, because this is my best time. This is really when I can focus in, and I don't get distracted, and I don't have all this stuff happening and being thrown at me. Like, that's my time when I can do that. Maybe that's the time when you pull out the, uh, the questions in the scriptures for further study that are right there in your outline. and say, yeah, I'm going I'm to dive into that a little bit, carve out a little time there, because that's my time. Or maybe... Like the psalmist in uh, Psalm 5.3, maybe your time is the morning. The psalmist writes, in the morning, Lord, I, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. There's a number of us here, and we're morning people. I'm a, I'm a morning person. Like, if, For me, when I wake up, like, like world is good, and I'm kind of at peace, and I'm just one of those people that, like, like, things just start, my, my brain just goes faster and faster and faster until the end of the day, I'm just totally fried. Like, that's just how it works. So if I don't spend time in the morning kind of carving out that time, it's it's, it's not happening for me. Like, I'm just, by the end of the night, I'm way too distracted and have too much on my mind, and I can't do it. So, um, you know, but, but here's the thing. You just figure it out. Figure out what is it? What are those natural rhythms in my life? And where would it, where would it not be that much of a leap to, to just, Put a little time, spend a little time with God during those times. Um, I think that one of the biggest reasons why we fail in our spiritual disciplines, and I'm just speaking from my own experience, okay? But one of the biggest reasons that we fail is because we get all charged up. You know, like it'll be New Year's or, you know, I don't know, like you have a birthday or you come to church and you, you hear... Some just you get a sermon, just really fires you up, and you're like, yeah, I need to do that. Like, I'm gonna get back in the Word, and I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna do this stuff. Like, I'm gonna commit to this thing today, right? And you're all, you know, the first day, man, you spend, you, you know, you're just rocking, and you're so excited, and it's great. But then, like day two, day three, and you're like, oh man, it's, you know, it's like you have less success than like a crash diet. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I think one of the biggest reasons we fail is because we don't really think about what is the natural rhythm of my life. We don't. We don't stop and think. When would this make the most sense for me? When would I have the most chance of success of creating a spiritual rhythm? I had a roommate in college, and um, he, you know, he, he he came on. He really just got on fire for God. Okay, and he was so amped up, so so just just excited that he decided. You know, I got to carve out time. And he kind of just ha- had heard from somebody or whatever that, like, morning time, like, that was the most spiritual time. Or that was the time when you were supposed to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus played, prayed in the morning. You better pray in the morning or something. So he thought morning was his only time. Well, in my house, like, we were going to bed. This was, like, senior year of college. We were going to bed, at, you know, not before 2 a.m. Yeah, I mean, maybe, three, you know, 3 or so. So, you know, I scheduled my first class about 11 Right, I mean, because that was that was I understood my rhythm, my pattern. Well, my roommate, he would get up at like seven a.m. after being up three, four o'clock in the morning, he'd get up at seven o'clock, set the alarm, I'd hear it go off, and uh, and I you, know, I, you know, you get woken up and you got to go to the bathroom or something. So I get up, I go to the bathroom, I come back, and my roommate be like sitting on the couch, the Bible, and he's just, I mean, he's just—it was totally out of his rhythm. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you've got to figure out what is the rhythm that'll work for you and start there. I was at uh, Chuck E. Cheese last night. I haven't been to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, you guys like Chuck E. Cheese? You're just saying that because you haven't been in a long time. Because <laughs> let me tell you, man, I have not been to Chuck E. Cheese since I was like 10 years old. And I was there on Saturday night. That place is totally insane. Uh, I was at the one in Fairfax. There's a million kids there. It's 150 degrees, okay? And it's just nuts. It's totally crazy. So we're there for this birthday party, and um, there's tons of birthday parties. There was like, I mean, it's like, a, it's like an assembly line. It's crazy what they do at Chuck E. Cheese. So anyway. You can have, like, the big party section, but then they've also got these little booths on the side where, like, families go. And there was a family that was there, and, uh, and they were celebrating something. I think it was it a was, um, birthday, but they were just doing kind of a small-scale small one. So the deal with the Chuck E. Cheese, at least in Fairfax, is that they, they want to maximize the amount of people they can get in. So, like, the tables are small, and, like, every, you know, everything is really planned out. So there's this tiny little booth, okay? And literally, it's hard to get, like, two people on there. So there's this dad sitting there at this little table, and there's like the pizza on the table, and there's drinks, and there's like some cake, and there's, to- you know, and then there's all the little tokens, and the tickets, and it's just a mess, the table is a total mess, and the guy is sitting there, and he's got his Bible just out, you know, like, I mean, you can't even talk, like, when you're, you're this close to another person, they can't hear what you're saying, it's that loud, it's like, and he's just sitting there, he's got like a kid pulling his arm, come on, dad, come on, and he's just sitting there, like, trying to read, I, was, I looked, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're trying... Now, maybe he was in the zone. You, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, because I just passed by, my jaw dropped, I kept walking. Um, maybe that was, like, his rhythm. Maybe he was just like, I come to Chuck E. Cheese, and, man, it just makes me just really channel God, and, and it's amazing. And so maybe he was... So I'm, not, I'm not judging him, okay? The way I saw it, though, I was like, you got to be kidding me, dude. Like, are you serious? So... The point is, you've got to figure out where is it, what are those things for you? What are the natural rhythms of your life where you can put time with God in there and it'll work for you. It's a natural thing. It's just, it's a good time to be able to do that. Now, before we move on to the next point, I want to speak to parents for just a second. Um, We got to remember that uh, this verse, it says, impress them on your children. Talk to them about these things. And so the same thing applies to parents who are here with your kids, the same rules apply. Trying to figure out, okay, when are the times that you can have those spiritual conversations or build those build those times with God into your family time? And so, I'll just give you a couple for for us in my family. And like, please, I mean, you might think, oh, he's the pastor and they do all this spiritual stuff and they probably have like Bible verses everywhere in the house and everything. I mean, it's very similar to what to your house. Um, and, and your routines, okay? But but what we find is we try and remember to say grace um, just while we have dinner together. And that that can often just be kind of a good starting point for a conversation about God. It, it sets a stage out there. So eating, you know, and eating as a family at the table is is a great time. If you remember, John, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, was talking about that research, this latest research that's found, that the number one way you can reinforce um, and it helps your kids learn is just to talk about what they're learning at, around the dinner table. You remember hearing that? Um, that s- contributes to their long-term retention of material and does better in school. Well, it's the same kind of thing. You know, it may just be at the dinner table. Hey, so, you know, back on Sunday, like, what did you guys do in, in Sunday school? Like, what would you do? Um, having a conversation just like that, something easy. Um, another good time uh, can, can take place, like, when you're traveling in the car. Maybe you got a long trip or whatever. That's a focused time when, you know, when you can have conversations about God or whatever. Um, And then, you know, I would say that that my favorite time, the the time that I think has worked best for us in our house, is bedtime. Um, and, And here's why this works so well. I have three kids. They're six, four, and two years old, okay? They will do anything, anything to extend the bedtime process. You know what I'm saying? You know this because we were all kids once. We all did this, right? Anything in the world. You want to talk about that? Oh, sure, I'll talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. The, you, I mean, the kind of conversation. I'm like, really? You're going to talk to me about that now? Like, you know, all day. What would you do at school? Oh, nothing. You know, my daughter's in first grade. Oh, nothing. nothing, what? And then, like, you know, it's like, okay, good night. The door starts closed. close. Well, there was on the bus, there was, uh, can I tell you what happened on the bus? I'm not. Uh, seriously so my point is um that's a great time when in all seriousness sometimes deeper more meaningful conversations come up especially for for smaller kids that they just are naturally inclined to talk about stuff that really matters stuff that's on their minds it's it's and trust me parents they'll they'll love to spend an extra five minutes awake so you can just bring up god right there and they'll, they'll be happy to talk to you about it they'll give you all their thoughts and ideas right there and by the way if you have an older child you have an older child, and you have teenagers or whatever, uh, and you don't do the bedtime routine anymore. You're not tucking your kids into bed. Um, there's something about the nighttime, like like when everyone else is supposed to be sleeping. You know, I feel like teenagers. It's like the witching hour. You know, teenagers they really come alive at that time. But what I've found in my experience is the types of conversations that happen late at night among young people. It's a different kind of a deal. They talk about deeper issues. They There's just something that happens in that time. And so I would encourage you parents just to think about that and and maybe realize that, hey, maybe that would be a time that they'd be more likely to talk about deep, meaningful things than maybe, you know, right after school or whatever. So something to chew on there if you're a parent in your family. Create a strong spiritual rhythm. All right, let's keep going. Deuteronomy uh, 6, verses 8 and 9. So Moses goes on. He said, okay, you know, talk about these things when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, you know, when you get up. And then he says, and this is where, like, for me, I was just like, this is getting weird. Check this out. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. You getting a visual? Anybody else getting a visual? Bind them on your foreheads? Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I want to show you a picture here. Can we, can we flash that picture up there? All right. So, does anybody know what this is? There's a term for this in the Jewish faith. Anybody? First service, man, they got this. Phylacteries, okay, also known as tefillin, okay. Uh, very good. You guys are you guys are sharp too. Um, so basically, this is this is what it would look like. Because I was wondering, like, what the heck did you know? Bind them on your hands, like tie them to your forehead, whatever. Like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like something where it would kind of like a piece of paper would come down and I could read the verses right there or something like, I was like, what are they, how are they doing that, you know? But basically what they would do, and you see the guy there on the left, he's got, he's got that little box thing tied over his forehead and he's got another one on his arm. You see it on his bicep there? And so it's like inside those things, you see on the right, there's like that little hole there. They would actually roll up a little scrolled piece of paper with God's commands on there, tuck it in, and then they would bind it to their forehead and their... Um, their hands, their arms. And it's pretty cool, actually, because it's like head and heart. You see that? It's like to keep God in the forefront of your mind and in the forefront of your heart. And it's it, so why would they do this? What, what, what was the point of this? I mean, I don't know. It seems a little awkward. You know, like, what's the, what's the point? Well, let's read on, because it tells us in verses 10 through 12. So Moses says, Okay, tie these things on right on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And he says, now listen, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you didn't build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you didn't provide, wells you didn't dig, vineyards and olive groves you didn't plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land, slavery so the reason that can we go back to that picture i just love that picture let's get let's get that again the reason that they would do this this was an intentional reminder that would keep god in the forefront of their minds when they would be likely to forget about god this is an intentional structured way that they could keep god front and center and remember god's commands so what in the world does this mean for us today, like 3,000 years after these words are written? Does this have any bearing on us? I mean, are we supposed to write, like, Jesus on our doors, like, you know, of our apartments or our houses? Or I mean, are we supposed to—you can get these on Amazon and eBay. Like, 200 bucks, though, man. They're, like, really—these things are expensive. What are we—are we supposed to do this? Like, what is—what's what is, up with that? What are we supposed to do today? What's the application point? Well, it's not that. The point here, the main takeaway that I believe the text says, and I want you guys to to wrestle with this too, is to find a way to keep God in the forefront of your mind, an intentional structured way to do that. So I want you to fill in these words, seek structure, seek structure. If you're going to have a rhythm, okay, there's a structure to rhythm. It has a beat. You know what I'm saying? It's great to be totally spontaneous, free spirit, you know, woo, I love it, you know, totally whatever. That's great, okay? But the reality is structure is your friend, okay? You want to create a rhythm, structure is just a part of it. it it's, you can't separate rhythm and structure. You cannot. And so you have to seek out some structure in your life. Um, at Grace Community Church, that structure for us today is Sunday mornings, okay? That's a structured way that you build that into your rhythm, you come here on Sunday mornings, okay, it's a structured time to be able to worship God, to focus in on what God might be saying to you, take time to pray, okay, and then the other big thing that we do here, that we encourage you, if there's only one thing that you do at Grace, is to get involved in a community group, some churches call them small groups, or cell groups, or there's tons of different words for them, essentially, these are just um, meetings during the week, small groups of people, like, you know, five to 12 people who get together to study the Bible and to try and figure out what does this mean for my life? How do do we apply these concepts to life? What's going on in each other's lives? How can we pray for and support each other? That's basically the deal. And so that is is the way at Grace that we encourage you to, to get a little structure so that here's the deal, okay? Now, there may be some of you guys, and you're, like, really disciplined, and you're, like, you're amazing at just, like, carving out that time with God. And it's just you and God, but, like, you're just really, really good at it. Okay? For me, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with kind of my own individual discipline just kind of creating time with God. But the greatest thing for me about these community groups is that regardless if I've had time to spend time with God and to pray and to, and to do that thing during the week, I know that during the week there is that time when my group's going to meet. Okay, it's on my calendar, and I 'm going to show up, and that is a structured, intentional time I've committed to that I'm going to make time for God. It, it, it guarantees me that in my week I'm going to have Sunday and I 'm going to have Wednesday night or you know whatever night it is that, that the group would meet, um, where I'm going to be able to, to have time to focus on God. and that's um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that's a beautiful thing. So I just I encourage you. To think about, okay, what is that structure? Okay, so there may be some individual personal things that you want to try and do. But what are those, what is that structural thing that that you can actually make a commitment to? Okay, if you want to be um, someone who, you know, you want to be really serving God and and feel like you're contributing to to giving back to what God is doing, uh, you know, maybe your structured way you can make a commitment is you join one of uh, the service teams here at Grace. Uh, and, and let me tell you, they'll put you on a schedule and you will, you'll be able to be signed up and you will have your regular rhythm of being able to serve and uh, and contribute to uh, to what God's doing. And so, you know, just think about what that thing is for you. If you want to get into a group, it is absolutely not too late. You can, you can find out how to do that. You can join one of our service teams. You can find that information in your bulletin. But the bottom line is structure is your friend when it comes to creating a rhythm. And I know it sounds like a nasty word but it is, it's, a, it's a great thing. And what I find, um, you know, w- w- here's what we're trying to do, okay? I don't know if, if you're annoyed by that extra piece of paper in your bulletin. Maybe for some of you, it's like, oh man, what is this? Like, I feel guilty I didn't do it. Am I supposed to do it every week? Like, that extra piece of paper, h- here's what that is. It, it, it's a, the biggest piece of feedback that, that we've gotten from people um, over the years when we talk about like growing in your faith and reading the Bible, the biggest I would say the biggest barrier that people have uh, with the Bible is like, this is what they say, where do I start? Like, it's so big. Like, do you start in Genesis? But I've already read that once, and, you know, I don't want to start there. Like, where, where do I plug into this thing? Like, how do I get a foothold in? Okay? That white sheet of paper is there to try and give you a foothold. It's to try and say, okay, let's let's think about what happened on Sunday and how do we then take that a little bit further? What are some other passages that we can look at in the Bible? Um, what are some questions? Yeah, what is my rhythm? You know, and you're, so, so that is just there for you. It's a tool, and then we use it in our group time, so then go and have discussions about it. But again, this is a structured way that as a church, we are, we're trying to do something to, to, to help create this rhythm. Okay, so I, please, if you're interested in that, uh, jump all over that. All right. Let's look at these uh, final two verses, and I want to give you one more point, one more point, and then we're going to close out. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. So um, Moses says this. He says, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, the decrees, and the laws the Lord our God has commanded you? So when, you know, when, when this Jewish kid would say, yeah, what's the deal? Why do we wear this on our forehead and, like, you know, on our arms, and, and why do we follow all this stuff? Like, what's the point of all this? Like, why do we do this? Here's what you're supposed to tell them. Verse 21, because we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. A final takeaway today is you got to remember why you dance got to remember why you dance you got to remember why you're doing this spiritual rhythm what why why are you doing this we started out this series talking about imagining the end and that the end is a blessed life if we will do what god says it will go well with us. doesn't mean we're going to have a million dollars or whatever, but it, generally speaking, our life is going to be good because we're, we're, we're following God's will, okay? And that's a wonderful thing. That's a great motivation, okay? That's like a cause and effect. Well, I'm no dummy, you know? Okay, God's word says this. I'm going to try and follow it because there's a lot of wisdom there. That's a great thing, you know, to do it. To motiv- we're motivated to do it because it would go well with us. But that shouldn't be the ultimate underlying motivation for why we try and spend time with God, why we try and create a spiritual rhythm. The main underlying driving force for creating a rhythm, spiritual rhythm, it's a response to what God has done for us. That is the deal. That that is where it has to come from. Okay? If if it's not coming out of a response for what God has done for us, then ultimately, you know, it's going to be really, really tough. It's going to turn into a sense of duty and obligation and drudgery. And ultimately, it's going to be very, very difficult to uh, to do that long term. So you might be saying, well, what, what would be my, what has God done for me? I mean, what would be my motivation? And maybe some of you are here and you're like, you know, I don't really necessarily believe in Jesus. Uh, I, I've got a lot of questions about Christianity. Like, I don't really know what I believe. I believe in God and some sort of higher power. But, you know, I, it's, not, it's not that simple for me. Well, I would say that the starting point for you, if that's where you are, is just gratitude for the life that you have. That God has given you life. That you're here on this earth. That you have air in your lungs. And it, it's just starting there, saying, hey, God, you know what? If you created me, thank you. Uh, maybe I should, you know, spend a little time trying to figure out a little bit more about that, if you are my creator. And my heavenly father. Maybe you're here and you, um, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've, um, you know, you've taken that step and you've said, okay, God, I believe that you took on human form and you came to this earth and you died for me and you forgave my sins. Then ultimately, you have a couple of starting places to, to you know, have that response. First of all, thank you for giving me life. Thank you for creating me. And secondly, thank you for redeeming my life. Thank you that no matter what I've done, what I'm most ashamed of, what I'm most embarrassed of, my biggest regret in my life, that you've totally forgiven everything that I've ever done. And and I am blameless. I'm perfect in the eyes of God. And so, you know, maybe that for you is where you can say, that's going to be my response. That's why I'm going to create this spiritual rhythm. If we lose sight of that, it's really, really now, we're going to um, listen to a last song, and the um, music team's going to come up, and they're going to they're play, and we're going we're to sing that out to God. And um, really, it's, it's remembering um, Jesus' death on the cross. And wh- whether you're here and you put your faith in Christ or you haven't, uh, there may be a number of us who are really struggling with that. Or maybe you hear these words, and you'll hear this song that's, that, we're, that they're about to play, and you'll be like, I know I should feel something, and I don't. I don't feel this sense of gratitude. And so for you, what I would encourage you to do is just to pray, God, please, um, give me a sense of gratitude. Give me a desire, okay? Give me a desire to wanna connect with you, to wanna create this spiritual rhythm. Uh, We have a prayer team. It's gonna be right over there. Uh, They would be happy to pray for you if you don't have the words to pray. But uh, I encourage you guys to... uh, to find what it is in the natural rhythm of your life that will just, you seem like, wow, that'd be a good place. Yeah, I, I think I could fit this in here and uh, and carve out some time for your relationship with God. So, um, yeah, that's the challenge for this week. Let's pray. God, I uh, want to thank you for every single person who's here. And, um, God, we thank you for, um, for your word and what it, teaches us, how it challenges us. Uh, Help all of us, no matter where we are, whether we have a great spiritual rhythm right now, maybe we just want to fine-tune it and take it up one more notch, or maybe we have no spiritual rhythm whatsoever. Uh, Lord, just help each of us to to figure out what that looks like for us. Uh, Just nudge at us right now, maybe during this last song, God, and for those who struggle to just feel a sense of gratitude and feel a sense of desire to want to Um, you know, connect with you and to create a rhythm. Uh, I just pray, God, that you would just spark something in each of us that would help us to connect with you. Christ. Christ's name.